Hey everybody, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. My name is John Sikotowski. I'm one of the hosts here on the Engage and Equip podcast, and this week you're going to be hearing from Pastor Nick Gibson, Pastor Vince Pieri, and our Director of Worship Arts, Nicole Kyle, as they talk about evangelism. They're going to be talking about some really practical things with evangelism. So ways to do it, things in our hearts that we need to overcome, uh, and how you can start to take some steps in your own life to reach out to others around you. Take a listen. Hey guys. So um, at the last Engage and Equip, I crashed your, um, your session. This is Nicole and Nicole Kyle and... Vincent Pieri, and you guys did a talk on evangelism because we were doing general topics. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about um, basically personal evangelism done within the context of relationships. So you gave a little preface about like, yeah, you can go up and talk to somebody on the street and or you can preach a sermon to people who you don't know anything mm-hmm. about necessarily. There's mm-hmm. And you can preach the gospel and they can believe it. And so there's lots of kinds of evangelism, but the kind that most of us do that we mostly have access to and that we're often most afraid of and oftentimes mm-hmm. even feel like we don't know how to do it mm-hmm. is what we sometimes just call personal evangelism or sometimes it's referred to as relational evangelism, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to spend the next X number of minutes <laughs> talking about what you told people about how to do that, right? Yeah. So um, is there any introductory, like, I think there was like some emotional, you don't have to be afraid stuff you did in your talk. Is there any, <laughs> are there any of those points you want to talk about before we get into the actual, how do you do evangelism in relationships? Um, I, yeah, I think that just to kind of expand on that, it is, it is a scary thing and it's, um, it can be intimidating to have <coughs> conversations with people because it's the most important thing to you. And so and then there's the fear of rejection, which people have a fear of rejection in anything, let alone talking about their faith. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I think, and it, we'll get into this more, but part of this whole process is understanding that you probably will have people say no, and then say no five more times, and then say yes to mm-hmm. whatever it is you're putting in front of them. So a lot of it is just... And when you say that, you mean the same person. Yeah, yeah, the You'll same person. You'll have the same person say no a bunch of times, and then say yes later. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Or infuriatingly say yes to someone else. <laughs> yeah. I don't get the credit. Mm-hmm. I don't get the jewels in my crown. That's a joke. That's yeah. 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 It's not true. Not so, true. It's not right. how it works. So um, so there was a big, one of your big emphases, all capitals in your notes was, you can do this. Mm. So do you, okay, so let, let me just ask that as a question. So... Madison's a really secular town. I was talking with a church planting pastor yesterday, and he's like, yeah, it's difficult. A lot of churches, there's a lot of churches in town, even like church plants Mm -hmm. that are focused on being missional, getting out into schools and highways and byways and relationships with neighbors who can tell you about no one who's gotten converted, literally who was not a Christian and became a Christian. And Madison's a pretty like secular town. We think of ourselves as sophisticated People are relatively wealthy. It's a nice town. So it's not like this horrible life. And people are like, oh, I need something. And so people act very content. And they make it difficult to talk about faith. So is it true that normal people can do this? Yes. I think so. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. 
So what is the <coughs> basis of your confidence? Well, I love some of the stuff you've been saying, Nick, about when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, that that wasn't just a statement for that specific time in history, that on, on some way we're supposed to believe that that's true always, no matter what, in every place, in every culture, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And um, I think, I, I don't know exactly when to talk about all these different things, but I think people's education and intellectual barriers and all that stuff is usually, at the end of the day, very little a part of the equation of why they accept Christ or don't accept Christ. And you've talked about that too, like in Romans, it says, you know, they're, it is a decision to blind themselves to the truth that's revealed to them. It's not um, just the circumstances put on them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think one of the other passages is Romans 1, where I remember working through that passage in like in Greek, just to slow myself down, you know? And I was actually shocked at how many references there is there are in that passage to Paul saying, they know God has mm. revealed himself. Mm -hmm. It's manifest. It's, it's there. It's obvious. It's in the creation. It's in the human heart. It's like humans are actually surrounded by, like humans are often saying, like, well, if God made himself obvious, then I believe you. You hear that from atheists all the time. And the position of the Bible is not, well, you're right, God didn't give a lot of evidence, but there's, you know, if you look really hard, mm -hmm. there's enough that you could squeak out faith. Mm -hmm. The Bible's position is that they, there, is, there is evidence of God's absolute manifest existence everywhere. And it is only this enormously strange psychological blindness that we create for ourselves and put on ourselves and accept in ourselves that makes us so blind mm -hmm. that we cannot see what is radiatingly obvious. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing that says, oh, wait, so I don't have to like make an argument out of nowhere. Right. I have to just try to make clear what is naturally obvious. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think also the Bible says that the word of God or the scriptures make the simple wise. Mm -hmm. And what you really need, I think, in evangelism is not to know every philosophical argument but to be wise. Mm -hmm. You need to know an apt word at the right moment for the person you're speaking to mm -hmm. that's true. Mm -hmm. I also think, too, that a lot of what we can talk about is our story and how God has changed us. And I think about when Jesus met the woman at the well, and then afterwards she went back to the people in her life, and she said, let me tell you about the person who knew me. Mm. And it was her testimony and her story of what mm. Jesus had known about her and who he was and who she encountered. And I think that a lot of times people discredit that. Mm -hmm. But your testimony is powerful. And mm -hmm. you can share what God has done in your life. And that doesn't have to require you even having been a Christian for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so I think, it's, I think that's a time that people feel like, well, okay, maybe I... I just became a Christian, so maybe in you know ten years I'll be wise enough to do this. Yeah, I yeah. think that has a lot to do with people's temperaments because people who are like me, who are like overly conscious and like very analytical, I always think people way overblow what you can do with a testimony. And yet, I think, I think that people like me often tend to dr dramatically underestimate the what a testimony can do, especially with the right kind of person in the right mm -hmm. kind of situation. And I think testimony is absolutely central in the New Testament, right? People are saying, I'm telling you mm -hmm. this is true and I've experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little different to feel the internal effects of the gospel and believe that they're the effect of Christ as opposed to being one of the people 
who saw the living body of Christ risen yeah. from the dead. Uh-huh. Right, but, but it's still a testimony that mm-hmm. matters, right? And even if it just piques interest, it's still mm-hmm. useful. But then I, I know people who think that, you know, the only thing you really have is your testimony. And I think that's overblown too. Yes. And so I think reading the Bible and knowing what the mm-hmm. Bible says about things so that you're wise and knowing a few apologetics arguments for mm-hmm. real questions. Yeah. Hey, try thinking about it this way mm-hmm. is really helpful. And I think, but I think like I said in the e a while back, in terms of craftsmanship, just start building tables, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, your arguments are going to be rudimentary and your testimony isn't going to be super <laughs> slick. And your wise app answers aren't always going to be the wisest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But man, listen, there's a lot of high level foolishness out there. And like you read one paragraph from the Bible and you can get a wise word out of that mm-hmm. that you can speak into some people's lives. And they'll be like, that was so helpful. That was from God. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then a, yeah. a bad telling of your testimony in the right situation can really make a difference. And a pretty poor apologetic argument. Like I've heard people who were had huge doubts cleared up when somebody shared with them a pretty badly formulated apologetic, like philosophical, yeah. try thinking about yes. it this way. And, and like, it's it was wrong, <laughs> but it was like really helpful for that person. And it could have been formulated right. It just wasn't, yeah. but it really helped that person. And so I think all three of those things are important and they can all grow over time. Yeah. yeah. Even your testimony, you get better and better yeah. at sharing your testimony or testimonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think back to the thing you originally say of like, can anyone do this? I totally think that testimony, sharing the gospel, apologetics things, all those things, the effectiveness of them largely hangs on the depth of relationship you have with the person mm-hmm. and how much they feel loved by you and how much time you've invested in them. Yeah. And the more relationship and time and investment you have, sometimes the less good you have to be at any yeah. of those things. Yeah, it's true. And so if, if you say, can anyone do this? Maybe one answer is like, yes, if you're willing to put the time into really knowing somebody. Yeah, when we said testimony, wisdom, and apologetics, right? Those are like kind of what things that you can share to prime the pump, mm-hmm. so to speak. But then what Vince is saying is that there's two more things that are more fundamental. And this is what you guys actually did more talking about, which is, getting better at clearly explaining the message of the gospel itself mm-hmm. and two, genuinely loving people mm-hmm. in ways where they know that they're being loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that those two things are actually the most fundamental. If you love yeah. people and mm-hmm. you can explain the gospel, yes. like that's oh super gosh. helpful. Yes. Right? So there was this old, um, you guys are probably too young for this, but Willow Creek mm-hmm. years ago put out an evangelism class and it had a formula and it was a CP plus... HP plus CC equals MP, which was C- CP was close proximity, which is you have to have a relationship, mm-hmm. plus HP, which was called, they, that was high potency. That's godliness. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Plus, substance. Right, substance. So we, that's what we say here, right? Plus CC, which was clear communication. That is, you can actually explain the gospel, mm-hmm. equals MP, which is maximum impact. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. super true. Yeah. You have to be there in a relationship with people. You have to actually be godly, which includes loving them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And then you have to be able to clearly communicate the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you do those three things, that's really what needs to happen for you to actually yeah. have some kind of impact. Yeah. yeah. So that that maybe that'll help some people, but so I, good. I think that's good. So okay. So, good. so one of the things that you guys keyed on it within this relational context of evangelism is you're like you can actually narrow this down to basically like three steps in your head. Yeah. Right. So why don't we go over those three steps, and then you can explain what you mean by them. 
So the first yeah. step is? The first step is to ask questions. And so all of this is in the assumption that you have close proximity with this person already. Right. So you already mm -hmm. have a relationship established with this person. That's, I mean, we've talked about that already. That mm -hmm. has a huge impact in this whole thing. And so you ask questions and you just have to get to know this person. You have to know a little bit more about their background. What, what kind of a background are they coming from? Did they grow up in church or not? Because if they did, you know, talking about grace is going to mean something different to someone who understands, who grew up in a church versus someone who didn't. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't mean... And what kind of church they grew up in. Yeah, because it doesn't yes. mean it's actually, it's going to be a correct understanding of grace mm -hmm. in either one, but it at least means they might have a thought about what that means or mm -hmm. what you mean when you say like a sacrifice. Well, do they have any understanding of the Old Testament or not? And so, mm -hmm. so it's just getting to know what kind of a background are they from, asking them questions like, you know, what's, what's a really important value in their life? Like what, what are your biggest priorities? Or, um, do, you know, you could ask them about if they grew up in church or you could ask them about, you know, what has your experience with Christians been in the past? Because sometimes they might have had a really negative experience with a Christian and that's, that's really coloring the way that they think about mm -hmm. faith and religion. And mm -hmm. So that's the first one is just really asking questions to try and figure out where are they at in this whole relationship or journey or how you know whatever i'm assuming the metaphor this, you want to use i'm assuming the assumption is is that you ask them in inter interrelated way with like lots of other questions like how many siblings did you grow up with and yeah like do you like blue and <laughs> what's your favorite food yeah and or in wisconsin your favorite craft beer or something right yeah i think it i think you've got to know this person because like you know, I, you might have a relationship where you can be pretty blunt with this person and you can just, like, there was someone that I, um, my husband had a very long relationship with this person and I realized I never had talked to this person about faith before. And so I just bluntly brought it up and I knew that I had the, you know, the, the relational deposits in that relationship to be able to say it that way mm -hmm. and to be able to say hey, I've never asked you about faith before, but this is super important to me and you know that and I care about you, so can I just start asking you some questions? Mm -hmm. And they were fine with that because we already had that type of relationship. But mm -hmm. you might not, and that's why you've got to you've got to do a lot of praying that the Spirit would guide you and let you know when to move and when not to move and how to discern which types of questions to ask. But that's why... Yeah, the, the type of relationship you have with this person plays a big role in when to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I, uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, even in the very beginning, even in your first couple of convos, like you were saying, Nick, if you ask them, mix in with other questions, and you ask them in your own head, not assuming you're trying to close the deal right, <laughs> right yeah. now, like yeah. if you say, I'm just going to ask these things for the sake of learning them, mm -hmm. it can be a very low pressure thing for both of you. Yeah, yeah. I think I th there's a couple things related to this. In the Alpha Course, Nikki Gumbel used to say, nobody wants to listen until they've first been heard. Oh, so yeah, that's for good. almost everybody, like they want to talk for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, people often usually listen the best when they realize you have been listening to them for an unreasonable period of time. Yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah. they're like, oh, I probably should ask you something. Mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while, you'll meet a person who is very much a deflect to you, ask you questions yeah. mm -hmm. person. Those people are relatively rare, though. Mm -hmm. Very pleasant, and, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then after a while, you just realize you've been talking about yourself for longer yeah. than even you normally do. Yeah. Um, 
But most people want to hear, and then they're ready to listen. Uh, and oftentimes, one of the things I find with people who are competent, if I let them teach me something, then they'll let me teach them something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, for competent people, there is something I'm very interested in that they can teach me that mm -hmm. I very much want to learn about. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, and, and what that leads to is, you don't know yet how you're going to share the gospel with them. So I remember one time there was this guy who was having marriage problems. He came to talk to me because he had marriage problems. I was like, you need to believe the gospel. And he's like, okay, but let, you know. So we were talking about stuff, and he was a, he was a military munitions um, fabricator. So he, like, built grenades and stuff. He was, like, an engineer fabricator. And so he was talking to me about these grenades that were, like, could throw out shrapnel in a perfect, like, mathematical grid. Mm -hmm. So that if you are within X feet of it, you are going to get hit. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like the older ones where it just kind of threw it out in random patterns and you just hoped you hit stuff. Mm -hmm. Which of course is pretty terrifying. Mm -hmm. But I realized after a while I was like, okay, when we talk about the gospel, I'm going to need to use engineering categories with this guy. Mm -hmm. And so when we actually talked about the gospel, I was talk I, we talked about pressure systems. Mm -hmm. And how if you don't have release valves for pressure systems, they'll build up in, in order and the whole thing will explode. And I was like, in, in a way, your relation, our relationship with God is a little like one of these pressure systems. And if there isn't some valve to let out the increasing pressure of us sinning, like if there isn't some way to deal with that, the entire system explodes, right? And I was like, now this isn't a perfect metaphor and whatever, but the wrath of God is like this. It's a, it's a right thing that, that is flowing into the world and our sin kind of tries to encapsulate. We try to like, like hold God in and not let him be what he's supposed to be. And you never, and this pressure builds, right? And you never would have known to talk about it in that way if you hadn't gotten to know this person and asked them right. questions and talked with them. Yeah, and he, mm. when I and I drew a picture and everything, <laughs> and like he looked at that, and I was I was like, now I don't know if the engineering that's right, but like I was just thinking maybe you'd find that helpful. And he was like, that is by far the most helpful way anybody has explained the, the Jesus thing to me. And I think that there probably are some people who would hear you say that and think, well, I'm never going to be able to mm -hmm. make that type mm -hmm. of a of an explanation but that's the whole like you have to come back to the just start building a table yeah because yeah. not everyone's gone to seminary like mm -hmm. you have not everyone is doing this all their all yeah. day long and thinking about these things all day long but yeah. you can get to know a person you can get to know right. what interests they have and what is important to them and what matters to them yeah and you can try to be creative in thinking of ways that the gospel is does actually apply to that mm -hmm. yeah and I think Richard John Newhouse used to say that the secret to being universally interesting is to be universally interested. Mm -hmm. And I think talking to other people with true curiosity creates an education for you that you don't have to sit down with a book for five hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be this great student. If you just listen to people and you're interested in whatever they find interesting and you take it in like it's interesting, you know about so much stuff and you can be interesting. And, and sharing the gospel in a way that other people find interesting it's pretty important for their attention. Mm -hmm. So yeah, okay. So questions, Step one. ask good questions, take your time, yeah. and learn about the person as holistically as possible, but ask questions that reveal things about their spiritual state, mm -hmm. how they think about things spiritually, what their experiences might have been, what their conceptions might be. Yeah, where they're at now. Like if they're open, right. are they seeking, are they interested, are they totally closed, mm -hmm. somewhere in between. They yeah. think they're a Christian already, but maybe aren't. But. Yeah, and sometimes I think asking them questions about difficult times in their life can sometimes be yeah. helpful. Because then you mm. can determine whether or not the person feels like you're a safe person to talk to. Mm, that's good. So, yeah. Okay, so asking questions. Step two. Step, so that's step one? 
Step two mm -hmm. is inviting them into something. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, where sometimes we derail the process a little bit because we think, okay, all the information's out there. Now I gotta explain the gospel. And sometimes that might be the right thing to do, depending on the situation or how well you know the person. But I think, and I think me and Nicole kind of thought, that most of the time, the most helpful next step is to invite them into something that's somehow connected to the church or spiritual things. Whether that's like, like a Sunday morning service is one option, but it is not the only option. Mm -hmm. Maybe your small group. There are people that have come to Christ in small groups at High Point before they ever came to a Sunday morning service. Um, maybe worship night, maybe Financial Peace University. Maybe just... Parenting in, Sunday school class. A parenting Sunday school class. Or a marriage thing. Yeah, maybe just a group of friends hanging out could mm -hmm. even be something that would fit into that category. But to give them more of a taste of what Christian community and Christian... The gospel kind of played out before you try to close the deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Invite them into something. And oftentimes people will say yes to lots of different kinds of things even if it appears after the questions step that they have no spiritual interest. Yeah. Like I told this story in the thing, but I had one. I was going to have you tell this. Yeah, yeah. So I had good. one friend who uh, I, I, was, I asked him all sorts of spiritual questions. Actually, the first time we ever talked, and I was probably way too intense the first time, but I asked him all these things, and he was like, I hate Christians, I hate the church, I grew up not believing in God at all, and then I became a Christian at one point, and then I walked away after they all turned out to be hypocrites. Never going back to church, blah, 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 blah. And then we hung out a few more times. And then at some point I said, hey, you want to come to church? And he was like, yeah, I'll come to church. <laughs> Which was totally unexpected on paper. But oftentimes, no matter what people say questions-wise, when you invite them into something and, and the Holy Spirit is working, they will say yes to things that you would not expect mm -hmm. them to yeah. say yes to. And that's often a necessary step before they say yes to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to, if they to think if they say no, like, oh, that's the end of the relationship. I, I guess they said no to the next step, so I'm done. But the right. way that we have been talking about this is that it's a wheel that you keep cycling through, that you don't just stop, and that you might have to go back to asking questions and still caring about mm -hmm. them. Because even if they said no, you probably haven't just decided that you don't care about them as a friend. Mm -hmm. You do still care about them as a friend, and so you're going to keep having this relationship. So it might mean that years later when you ask them and invite them into something is when they finally for the first time say yes to something mm -hmm. and so you have to remember that and not get discouraged and also sometimes it means to be brave and courageous to keep asking even yeah. if you've heard a no already yes and that can be scary and intimidating but you it, i think what Vince, what you just said is so true that when the spirit is working in someone you're you're gonna be surprised when they say yes to something and you're going to be surprised that they're curious and they want to come when you might think there's nothing there. But yeah, yeah, so good. So good. So step one, <clears throat> asking questions. questions about where they're at spiritually. Step two, inviting them into something. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then if they say no to step two, you just go back to step one. You just go back yeah. to step one and, and then, then hit step two again. And try step point. two again. Okay. Yes. So let's say you get to step two. They say, "I'll go. To, I'll come to church. I'll go to that thing. Yeah. I'll come to the Packer party with people from your church." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Step three. But, yeah. 
Maybe. And, and, <coughs> the, and like it might take a while, too. It might be a lot of going back and forth between one and two and one and two. But, the, but it is important to remember that eventually you need to share the gospel using like words to explain mm-hmm. it. Because I think we often think, oh, if I'm just really loving to this person, uh, then they're going to ask me, why are you so loving? Uh, why are you so kind? Uh, you're, you're different than anyone else I've ever met. Yeah, we have and like... I've been trying to interpret why that is, <laughs> and I've come up with nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. It's something have... absolutely different about yeah. you than anyone else I've ever met. Yeah. And then we you're have... like, I know. Yeah, that has it's never Jesus. happened to me. It's, it's never happened to me. I don't think it's hardly happened to anyone. We have, it's certainly never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> we have like got to get out from under that idea that if you work hard and you're nice, people will say, how can I know you're God? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody is trying to work hard and be nice. That's so central to our culture already. Yeah. That yeah, yeah it's, you have to explain it. And it doesn't. Yeah, mean the only it's... criminals are good. Like only the only really bad people. Are yeah. Like, okay, I should be better. Like yeah. yeah. If you are currently a prisoner in a jail yeah. and you work hard and be nice, you may have a shot of people asking you what's different about you. Yeah. yeah. If you work anywhere else, it's never gonna happen. Yeah. It's never gonna happen. And that doesn't mean that like. I think that people sometimes will say, well, my, my faith is personal and it's my own. And sometimes I think it's because we're just scared. And it's it's understandable, but yeah. that, but I don't think that God has shown us anywhere that that he doesn't give us courage and boldness when we're scared. Like He gives us a spirit of power, not a spirit of timidity. And so... But then he tells us to be courageous. Yeah. He's like, you go be courageous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't yeah. think you'll find courage just welling up in you and you'll just want to do it. No. No, he's like, hey. You got to choose it. Go over there and fight yeah. and I'll yes. be with you. It'll yeah. be and I will be with you. Yeah. Courage, yeah. courage is doing it while you're afraid. Yeah, yeah. he said, right? yeah, in the Bible, everywhere I know of, he says, you go be courageous and I'll be with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was always really encouraging to me in reading the Great Commission. That After Jesus says, I've given you authority, now go and make disciples. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah. That was always the part of that I was like, okay, I know he's with me. Yeah. I know he's with me always. And so, yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this and you feel afraid, you are not alone. No. Just after the session we did, a guy came up to me and he was like, can you pray for me that I will have the courage to just do that first step? And I was thinking that he misunderstood what we were saying. Because I was like, the first step's not the scary one. You know, I thought he thought, he was like, I've got these friends and I'm just so, uh, from work and I'm so scared to ask them any spiritual questions. I was like, well, you got to get to know him a little bit first. He was like, no, I know him. We go out to lunch like several times a week. We've gone on a retreat together. I know everything about them. And I'm still terrified Mm -hmm. just to say, do you go to church or have you been to church? And this is a guy who is a worship leader. He's up in front of people all the time. Super fun, super loud, super confident. So scary for him. And I think... He's not alone either. We are all very afraid. (laughs) We're all very afraid. And by not alone, we don't mean there are two or three people in that category with you. (laughs) We mean the rest of humanity. (laughs) Yes. Is in that category with you. Yes. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah. It's scary, but it's so fun. I, I get... I actually experience fear every time I have to make a phone call. Really? Yeah, like I or an evangelistic like phone I, call. No, just any time I have to make a phone call to ask somebody to do something they don't want to do. Uh, yes. So like, you know, hey, will you come in for a church discipline appointment? Or <laughs> hey, let's go out to lunch and talk about Jesus. Like just, 
You know yes. when I'm going to call somebody, they don't expect my call, and they don't already want to do what I'm going to ask them to do. Yeah. I have to make myself pick up the phone, and I have do to you, make myself push the yeah. button. Do you practice? Uh. Practice. Like the, the conversation? Like what you're going to say. Like my husband will do Times that. Times the very beginning of yeah, it. Yeah, he'll, he'll like practice with me. And we used to raise support for our job before I was working here, and he would practice every time he was about to call someone. And like, that's not a bad idea for evangelistic relationships and conversations either. Just mm-hmm. if you can just practice it, it might that might help. Yeah. Have a but but my goodness, once you get in, it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is literally so fun, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's one of the things that makes ordinary life feel like an adventure. Yeah. It makes ordinary life feel really fun and exciting because you get to watch God work in people's lives and do things and build your own faith. Yeah. Yeah. So we in our when we did this training at Engage Equip Live, we talked about how there are a lot of ways that you can share the gospel. And if you've been doing this a while, you may be able to have those conversations like you were talking about, Nick, where you're like, okay, they're into engineering, so I can talk about this particular system. Or maybe if they're mm-hmm. A lawyer, you're going to talk about it in a judicial perspective or whatever. But you might be like, I have no clue what to do. There are a lot of tools that are helpful for those first times when you're just like, I'm just going to try it. And I used to work on staff with Crew, which is a campus ministry, and we had um, gospel tracks that we would use. We would teach students, teach college students, how to share the gospel using these gospel tracks. And time and time again, they would roll their eyes at it. They're like, I don't want to do this. It's like, yeah, I know, but this is just kind of like the training wheels and helping you learn some of the basics of sharing the gospel. And eventually, they didn't need to use those anymore. But if you're sitting and thinking, I don't even know where to begin, there are lots of tools. You can do that. There's a bridge drawing that you can do. You can use a, a handful of passages through the book of Romans. It's called the Romans Road. You can go that route. There are, there are lots of tools that if you're like, I'm just starting this for the first time. And You know, I used to be one of those college students who was learning with the tracks, and I'm like, oh, I hate this. This is so dumb. But then you hear stories of people who, like, there was one guy I knew. He was on staff with this campus ministry. Some guy, he was on a hike. Some guy stopped him on the hike and was like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? He's like, you're kidding me. Mm. And the guy walked him through this gospel track, and he left. The guy left, and here's this person who just heard the gospel through a gospel track, and, like, 10 minutes later, he prayed to become a Christian Mm, in that moment. Come on. And so God might use that. You never know what he's going to use. And so if you're just, you know, if you've never done this before, that's okay. Yeah. Yes. So that's the third step. Mm -hmm. First step, asking questions, finding out where they're at. Second step, inviting them into things. Third step, actually sharing the gospel. And like we talked about, oftentimes when you get to that third step, they say no to it. Mm-hmm. At which point you just circle back to step one, step two, step three. We we drew a wheel with divided into three mm-hmm. areas to show that it just keeps looping. What down. I got from your talk was, generally speaking, you backtrack to the last one. So if you share the gospel with them and they say no, you go back to two. Yeah, either way. I mean, you can do it either way. It's a wheel, so it can spin either direction. <laughs> you can spin it all the way back around or you can back it up to step two. Mm-hmm. There's freedom there, which is, yeah. One of the things, I, when I was in seminary, I wasn't a very evangelistic fellow by nature. And so I, I got into a group. They made you be in like groups with people. And so I got into the evangelism group because I was like, I need this, right? Mm. Yeah. And one of the things, Doc, Dr. Nyquist was the guy who led that. And one of the things he would say, he was a little Campus Crusade guy. Oh, yeah. Back when it was called Campus Crusade, right? Yeah. And he would say, 
You have not completed the evangelism process until you have invited somebody to believe the gospel yeah. that you shared with them. Yeah, so good. And a lot of people stop short of that. And they, they'll be like, yeah. this is the gospel. And they, and they won't even say, you you should believe this, or you could believe this, or nothing happens with this thing I've just told you unless you put your faith in him. Yeah. 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 And so there's lots of different ways you can either directly say, would you, do you, do you sense belief rising mm-hmm. in you? Like, would you believe this? Do you want to believe this? Will you believe right now? Yeah. What yeah. is there anything left? Yeah. Is there anything left as an objection in your mind yeah. that would keep you from believing this mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bible says at the end, you know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, yeah. and mm-hmm. it emphasizes that we have to personally believe. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do with that? Like, there's lots of ways to do that, but like, if you don't invite them to believe, so that they say a yes or a no, mm-hmm. then in some ways you haven't completed. Yeah. The yeah. Totally. I think that's important yeah. for people. I also think that it kind of along with that, it's easy to get discouraged. So if you do that, if you're like, I've done all the right things, and the person says no, one of the things we used to talk about a lot with crew was also what is the definition of successful evangelism? And we would say successful evangelism is taking a step of faith and leaving the results to God. And it's, it's actually doing it. It's actually asking the questions mm-hmm. and inviting them, sharing the gospel, bringing them to a point of, like, you, you know, you've got to make a decision about this, but mm-hmm. you, it is not resting 100% on your shoulders to convert that person. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Significantly less than 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you look at all the New Testament words for the gospel, like going out, they're all proclamational words, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like euangelion, the good telling the good news, caruso, which is to preach or to herald, mm-hmm. uh, homologia, homologion, which is to, to confess, mm-hmm. right? Or like all the words are basically like you faithfully say it. Mm-hmm. And then that's all you can do. And if people believe, they believe. And if they don't, they won't. And, and then you, you can hang with them. You can... Go on to the next person and and hang with them when they're available, but yeah. like, but there is a moving on sense in the gospel of like, you do hang with people and you do genuinely like them as a human being, but there is a sense in the gospel that the gospel has to be shared and you do have to keep moving, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so constantly trying to form new evangelistic relationships, and yeah. then sometimes yeah. one yeah. relationship will cool off <coughs> and another will kind of heat up. And then the other one will kind of heat back up. Like mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. it kind yeah. of goes in strings, and so that's why, like, in my, I'll have in my my prayer journal, I'll have the people I've had evangelistic, evangelistic relationships, and I'll go back every once in a while and I'll look yeah. at some of the relationships that seem like they've cooled off. Sometimes people who are like, I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> like I'll send them any, I'll send them a text or something, and be like, Hey, how are things going? Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and sometimes they're like, Oh man, I was just thinking about you, and like things have been mm-hmm. going this way in my life, and. That'll kind of get going again, and then other other folks, you know, where it's it's very steady. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 If, if for everybody listening, if you if you learn to just steadily spin that wheel mm-hmm. as a regular part of your life, you will be a great evangelist. <laughs> you will be. You will see people come to Christ. It's like great evangelists are just the people doing it. Like if you meet people and you're like, that's a great evangelist. What you mean is they're just someone that's doing it as a regular part of their life. It's not that they have some special skill. If you, mm-hmm. if you have some crazy special skill, you're probably doing it for a living. But for all the rest of us, mm-hmm. it's just 
committing to it and doing it regularly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and it's, I think for me, one of the things that's a good, I can often think, oh, I'm just surrounded by a lot of Christians and I don't even have people in my life, but the moments that I pray and I ask God, or like the seasons that I pray, like, can you just show me where there's a relationship? He, he has yet to not show me one. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. why I think like what you're saying, Vince, is true, that it's, it's having the eyes to see those people mm-hmm. and then faithfully taking the step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one quick note to families too, with kids, the families that I've seen do this as a part of what they do as a family, bringing people from work into their home and just hanging out with them around their kids have have said that it has had such a huge positive impact on their kids. Mm-hmm. It was so, I've, sometimes parents feel like, I don't have the time to have ministry relationships because I'm focused on my kids. But the time you spend on ministry relationships yields incredible dividends to your kids mm-hmm. as they watch you reach out to hurting and broken people and yeah. it builds their faith as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to end with two last things about um, discouragement. Because mm-hmm. um, Jesus adds two very specific encouragements to the Great Commission. One of them you already mentioned, Nicole, which was when Jesus says, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And um, that teaches us that Jesus is with us. But one of the things that we believe theologically is that people intentionally don't want to believe in God. Mm-hmm. They don't, or at least in Jesus. They want to believe that there's a God spirit out there that'll make their life go well and give them a good afterlife, but they don't want to believe in a God that demands a beautiful obedience from them in the image of Christ. And so that would lead us to believe that like nobody's going to get saved, like nobody's ever going to really submit to Christ, right? And what the Bible says is the harvest is plentiful, that the, the spirit convicts people, that there's a, the spirit of God affects people and changes them, and Jesus is with us in the process of disciple-making, not just with us generally, mm-hmm. but with us even more specifically mm-hmm. in the process of making disciples. And so people who, without Christ, would never, no matter what we did, would never become disciples, they will. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will. But the second thing is, some people, when you do evangelism, will look at you and say, you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Or the culture mm-hmm. will say, it's wrong for you to do this. And some people would like put a guilt trip on you for seeking to share mm-hmm. the gospel with them. And I think in that case, it's the first line of the Great Commission you have to continually remember. When that icky feeling mm-hmm. of kind of like mm-hmm. shame <laughs> from like the guilt they stick in your face hits you, you need to remember that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me, mm-hmm. therefore go. Mm-hmm. And so that person actually does not have the authority to tell you you're like a bad person because you share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All authority to shame people all authority in terms of what's right or wrong, all authority in terms of what you have the right or don't have the right to do has been given to Christ. Mm-hmm. He has all the authority, and he has told you to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so the government or your coworker or whoever, no one has the right to tell you you can't do this. Now, that doesn't mean you can share the gospel in the middle of your workday <laughs> using... Like, there, there are issues right. of prudence. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't use that to say, like... You know, you can't tell me what I, right? But like if somebody says you shouldn't even be doing this, um, Jesus disagrees with them. (laughs) And so you should actively use that. When people try to guilt you, you should actively remember that Jesus said, I have all the authority and I gave it to you to go. Mm -hmm. And secondly, people didn't like me and a lot of people aren't going to like you. Mm -hmm. You're not better than me, Mm -hmm. right? And if you realize that, then when that sting 
of not just rejection, but mm -hmm. intentional, aggressive shaming happens. And it, it sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, you have a Jesus to turn to. He yeah. has explicitly given you comforting promises about that. And you can say, man, it's too bad that person believes that. Yeah. But I know that I'm pleasing the Lord and I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that's true. One last thing before we wrap so up. Good. Can you guys think of anywhere in the Bible where the where evangelism is referred to as a gift? Because when people talk about the gift of evangelism, uh, can you think anywhere where... It's just, well, there's the one thing that is in Ephesians where he says, you know, he gave some to be prophets, some mm -hmm. to be evangelists, some to be teachers. Yeah, and I think that's a misunderstanding that people have because in Ephesians 4, those are offices. Right? They're not, they're actually not put forward as gifts. They're offices that exist to support the church. So as we read on in chapter four, he's like, you know, there are these four or five offices, and those offices exist to equip the saints for works of service. So an evangelist is somebody who equips the church for works of service. Of evangelism. Of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Or of like them inviting people and them mm -hmm. preaching the gospel. But I think some people say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And one of my responses to that is, that's very clever of you. Can you think of a place in the Bible that actually refers yeah. to evangelism mm -hmm. as a gift? Mm -hmm. And I think it might be arguable that there's a gift of evangelism. I think that, that different people are better at different things because yeah. of spiritual and other reasons. Mm -hmm. And so some people are definitely more gifted at evangelism. Mm -hmm. But evangelism is an act of obedience and yes. an act of yes. gospel love and an act of following Christ in the things Christ has done and called us to. Yeah. And it is the one thing that he's actually told us to do. We've only been commissioned to do one thing. Yeah. And that's to make disciples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And back to your harvest thing. If the harvest is so plentiful, there might be really gifted harvesters, but we need all hands on deck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, as you guys know, like a lot of people who will come to faith will say, will name more than one person oh, yeah. who was involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, more than a half dozen. Yeah, yeah that's so And true. so I think that's why inviting people into something for step two is important because mm -hmm. you get those other people involved. Yeah. But also just recognizing that like you may just be playing a part, but you need to try to use the wheel to play all three parts. Yeah. You're doing all three yeah. parts, but somebody, hopefully somebody else is doing it too. Yeah. Mm, so. so good. Yeah. So I've been toying with the idea of this being a sermon <laughs> at High Point because mm. it's that important. Mm. Um, but hopefully the people who listen to this will get this straight. And you can listen to this more than once. If you sure need to, can. and then just get those three things in your head and start to grow in that confidence so that that courage can start to well up in you and then start asking questions. Mm -hmm. And come to engage is, in a clip. Yeah. And this is a fun thing to do with people. So, mm -hmm. like, tell yeah. someone that you're going to do this and say, you should do two and then talk about it. It's encouraging. Mm -hmm. So good. It's good accountability, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, thanks for all the work you put into the Engage and Equip seminar that you did. And thank you for taking the time to do this. And hopefully those of you who've listened, that this is simplified and clarified mm -hmm. and given you both theological courage that this will glorify Christ and you love Jesus, but also the courage that comes from simplicity of knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. And we hope those two will come together and help you um, engage other people with the gospel and make disciples like Jesus commissioned us to do. Mm -hmm. All right. Love you guys. See you next time.